0: Om Sahna Vavatu Sahna Bhunaktu Sahavid Yankar Vavahai Te Jasvinavadhita Om Shanthishanthishanthi Namasri Shankarananda, Namasri Shankarananda, Guru Padambujanmane, Guru Padam Savilasa Mahamoha, Savilasa Mahamoha, Grahagrafeika Karmane, Grahagrafeika In the discussion of the tripti, or the happiness, contentment, or the joy, enjoyed by the wise man, the question was asked whether a wise man should do something or not do something. It is true that Atma, the Self, is actionless and therefore Atma doesn't perform any action. The wise man who is identified with the self also does not perform any actions. Even though actions take place at the level of body, speech, mind, at these three levels actions take place. But on account of the fact that the wise man is not identified with them, since he is identified with the self who is actionless, wise man does not perform actions even though actions are being performed. Therefore, to an onlooker, it may appear that this person is performing actions, but from the standpoint of the wise man, there is no action being performed by him. This is the point that is being made. And therefore he may as well perform the actions. Athava Kritukratyobi. Loka Nugdraha Kamya. Alright, Krutakratya, one who has done whatever has to be done. Loka Nugraha On account of Loka Nugraha, on account of his compassion for the welfare of all the people he might engage in activities for the welfare of the people and therefore it was earlier said that since wise man is not identified with his body mind equipment therefore he does not perform any action even when actions are being performed at the level of the body and therefore whether actions are performed which are righteous actions or actions which are even not righteous actions He is not responsible for the not Therefore, there is no kartavya, there is no duty, or there is no injunction that he has to necessarily conduct himself in a certain way. Next point is made is he may as well conduct himself in a proper way. Why not? When there is no injunction and when there is no obligation on his part to conduct himself in one way or the other, meaning in what we call a righteous way or not, well, he may as well conduct himself in a righteous way. Shastriyana margana Varteham mamakshatihi I may as well conduct myself Shastriyana meaning by I may as well conduct myself on the path which is enjoyable the scriptures then also I have nothing to lose. Because it is a body that is that is doing the puja or the worship. It is a speech that is uttering all the mantras and, and the whatever, it is the mind that is doing all the meditations I am the witness and therefore I have nothing to do or no connection with those activities then the activities may as well be performed in what we call a righteous way So apparently therefore the idea is is we have no quarrel with the karmi the actions are performed at the level of the body anatma at the level of non-self and therefore I the self has no quarrel with that nor the non-self has a quarrel with the self and therefore that my actionlessness does not in any way get jeopardized or threatened because actions are performed at the level of body. That's the whole idea here. that actionlessness of the self and therefore actionlessness of the wise man does not in any way get affected because actions are taking place at the level of the body or the speech or the mind because body, speech and mind are non-self and therefore actions or inaction both belong at that level neither action nor inaction belongs to the self who is merely a witness uninvolved and therefore for the wise man who is identified with the self he remains uninvolved whether these equipments are performing actions or they are not performing actions (coughs) therefore he says we have no quarrel. We are not opposed to karma. Or we are we have we are no we are no opposition to karma at all because karma may as well take place, even when they take place we are not doing them anyway. <coughs> now verse two seventy-six of which the discussion we have started. Karma anusthanam sunyatvaat na yade. A question is asked here. There is what we call pravati and nivritti. Pravati means engagement in action. Nivritti means disengagement. Pravati means performing all the worldly duties. Nivritti means renouncing the duties. Or nivritti also can mean being devoted to the pursuit of knowledge. So when one is devoted to the pursuit of knowledge, naturally one cannot simultaneously pursue the worldly activities. And therefore it is generally speaking understood that a full-time pursuit of knowledge necessarily requires renunciation of one's duties and one cannot give up one's duties unless that giving up has taken place in a formal manner therefore that is what we call sannyasa or renunciation which is a formal ceremony and therefore There is a sanction that when a person is prepared to devote himself or herself to a full-time pursuit of knowledge that the person can officially uh, renounce all the actions. There is a sanction. That from now on the society or the family or nobody has any expectation from that person. Neither the person has any expectation from the society or the family nor does the family or the society has any expectation from that person also and with this understanding the duties are officially renounced that from now on i renounce all my duties i have no more any obligations so we have been talking about obligatory duties because then every person is obliged because every person is enjoying certain privileges now this renunciate does not enjoy any privileges and therefore he has no obligation. Also, he there is no privileges. Interestingly enough, in India, a sannyasi once you take sannyasa, you are renouncing all your claims to property and everything else. You renounce all your rights, and therefore you cannot make any claim about property, etc. Once you have taken this, uh, the the garb of renunciate, meaning you have renounced everything, and therefore a renunciate is the one who does not have any obligations because that person does not enjoy any privileges also. The only privilege he enjoys is whatever favor the society does to that person. If he goes out and begs for viksha arms, if people give him, he eats. Thank God that in India people give him because they have value. But sometimes if he doesn't get it, well he remains hungry. I theoretically... I don't think anybody ever goes hungry, any sadhu ever goes hungry, because there will be somebody who will always feed him, because that value still remains in most part of the country. In fact, there are many, uh, what we call, annakshetras or uh, what they call, what is it, uh, the kitchen, soup kitchen or what we call it, you know. So, the public feeding places are there, many in India, where people can go in and get food. But. He depends upon the favor of the society. He has no claim. He cannot say that you must give me food. He cannot, he cannot make any demand or he doesn't have any claim. He depends totally upon the favor of the people. Therefore, he does not have any claim nor does he have any obligation. And because of this, the renunciation of action is sanctioned by the scriptures. That lifestyle is called nivruti or disengagement. So niprutti, or renunciation of action, is a lifestyle that is conducive to the pursuit of knowledge and prabhutti, or performance of action, is a lifetime, is a lifestyle which is conducive to the achievement, you know, of the world or for the purification of the mind. <coughs> so alright, let us say that karma anusthanam prayojana sunyatva, since performance of action has no purpose to serve now, not gnana abhiyogam may therefore a gnani or wise man does not accept performance of any action because it has nothing to contribute for that person. He said. This question is raised and an answer in verse two seventy six which said, Pravrtir no payuktacched, nirvrti ko payujjare, oda hetor nirvrti saced bhuth saayam tathetara. Pravrtihi na payuktacched. If the question is that pravati or activity, meaning the daily obligatory duties, etc., if they have no use for a wise man, then upabhoga, upayoga, Abhavaha nivritto, Samana hiti, pariharati. Then the answer is given that even nivritti, even not doing something or disengagement or renunciation also is of no consequence to the wise man. If activity, if engagement in activity does not contribute anything to the wise man, this engagement also does not contribute anything to him. If performance of action does not add anything to him, non-performance of action does not take up anything from him. Or if performance of action does not bother him, non-performance of action doesn't add anything to him either. And therefore, since there is a great clarity that performance and non-performance of action belongs strictly to the body, speech and mind level, and therefore, there were both prabhuti and nivruti or engagement and disengagement. Both of them belong to this body-mind complex and not to the self. Therefore, if there is pravuti, there also is well and activity, well and good. there is inactivity, there also is well and good as far as the wise man is concerned. So the, the opponent says, the questioner says here, that all right, the wise man is no use for the activity. And he says, well, wise man has no use for the inactivity also. Upayoga bhava nivrutto vi hi parihardi nivrutte hiti. Then says, nivrutte he bodhe tu tvatna upayoga bhava hiti shankate. Then the question is asked, okay. At least nivruti or renunciation is conducive to the knowledge. And therefore even wise man also may may favor this nivrutte. Bodhe tu nivruti hi The question is, the or disengagement from the activity. Understand, disengagement from the activity is not safe for the sake of disengagement. Disengagement from the activity is to give you a leisure. Everyone knows that to pursue the knowledge requires leisure. You require leisure and also a freedom from demand. The phones are ringing here and all kinds of demands are upon you. It's very difficult to concentrate. And even when you are sitting in the class, if there is a question, Oh, it's... After finishing the class, I must go to the go to office and write this report and do that. Even that thing is hanging on your head. That also becomes a distraction. So, ideally speaking, a person who is pursuing knowledge will be totally free. That is the life of sannyasa or renunciation. And that is a lifestyle that is conducive to the pursuit of knowledge. And also, because we are pursuing knowledge of the self, who is actionless? And therefore, pursuit of knowledge... Of the self who is actionless also calls for a lifestyle which is also free from action. Because what's the nature of self? Akarta, actionless. And therefore, any performance of action necessarily requires an assumption on your part that I am a karta, I am a doer. How can anyone perform action unless there is this self a consciousness that I am a performer of the action, that I am a doer of the action? So, doership. Or the sense of agency is necessarily assumed for performance of any action if you take yourself to be uh, an engineer then you can perform action of that kind if you if you take upon the role of a driver then alone you can drive. take up the role of a cook then alone you can cook you have to assume that role and then alone you can perform the action therefore every action calls for a sense of agency and there action requires a superimposition of kartratva or doership upon the self. And therefore also, performance of activity is in a way opposed to the knowledge, pursuit of knowledge, which is because the self is actionless. So, knowledge or pursuit of knowledge in fact is of nature apavada or negation of all the superimposition, whereas performance of action calls for a superimposition upon the self, that I am a doer. <coughs> In that sense we say that pravritti or activity is a sort of an obstacle to the total pursuit of knowledge whereas nivritti or disengagement or renunciation is something that is conducive to the knowledge and that's what the Purupakshi of the opponent points out. He says nivritti or renunciation since it is conducive to the pursuit of knowledge you cannot say that it has no application to the wise man says okay if you say that nivritti or renunciation of action is a is something conducive to the pursuit of knowledge we would say that even performance of action also has something to contribute with reference to knowledge what does it look at? Like? tarhi Upayogavati. Prabhupati or action when performed with the attitude of yoga or performed with the attitude of offering to the Lord is conducive to the purification of mind. So Prabhupati or activity, action also has a role to play in terms of knowledge. How? Action when performed properly, performed in a proper spirit is conducive to the purification of mind and that you know very well that when you want to perform action selflessly when you want to perform action as an offering to the Lord necessarily every action will require to renounce your self-interest your selfishness or your own personal convenience you have to renounce and then alone you can perform an action in the spirit of selfless service so when action is performed In the spirit of offering, which is called yoga, then that action also becomes a means for purification of mind, which mind is required for the pursuit of knowledge. So the answer is that even pravrutti also, or action, is indirectly useful. So first is pravrutti, a performance of action, which brings about purification of mind. Then nevrutti, renunciation of action, which is a lifestyle, which is conducive to the pursuit of knowledge. But once the knowledge has been gained, then Pravuti and Nivrutti both of them have no role to play. <coughs> That's the kind of a point that is made in the verse 277. Nanu. Buddhasya Bubudsa abhavat Pravutte he Anubayogit punas Sankare. Nanu this is question is Buddhasya Bubudsa abhavat For a wise man there is no bhutsa, there is no desire to know. So understand what Prabhupti does pervert your action, it creates bhutsa or desire for knowledge. This is the Vedantic principle that performance of action by way of purification of the mind creates bhutsa or desire for knowledge. And therefore one should continue to perform action in the spirit of yoga until there is an intense desire to to gain the knowledge. So when I'm, I find that all I want in my life is just knowledge until that intensity of desire is created for knowledge until then one should continue to perform action because the criterion or what is the measuring rod for the purification of mind, bhutsa or desire to know. As long as mind is crowded by other desire so long we know that still some work needs to be done. And when the mind gets occupied by just one desire, namely desire for knowledge, then we know that the mind is pure. And therefore Vedantic teachers also recommend that one should continue to perform action in the spirit of yoga, in the spirit of offering, until the only desire that remains in the heart is a desire for knowledge. In short, action is considered to be a means for creation of desire for knowledge. In that way, sense, we say action also is a means to knowledge. If not, a direct means to knowledge, an indirect means to knowledge by way of creating desire for knowledge. So desire for knowledge in Sanskrit is called bhubhutsa Budh means to know, bubhutsa means the desire to know. <coughs> Nanu, so all right, first then is desire to know, then the pursuit of knowledge, then the knowledge. So here a person asks the question, all right, the wise person has already gained the knowledge. Therefore, there is no need for him for desire of knowledge because the knowledge has been gained, desire has been fulfilled. Therefore, there is no scope of bhutsa or the desire for knowledge for a wise man. Therefore, the wise man has no need for prabhurti or activity. But... Even a wise man also may have need for a renunciation, for maintaining a certain lifestyle. Next question is, isn't it necessary that a wise man also should maintain a certain lifestyle? The lifestyle of disengagement from activity, is it not necessary that a wise man should also maintain the lifestyle in order to hold on to the knowledge or in order to gain, you know, in order to uh, abidance in the knowledge, Isn't it that, alright the knowledge has been gained, but is it not necessary that, in order to retain that knowledge, that a wise man also should maintain a certain lifestyle by way of renounce or or disengagement from activity? Is it so or not? That's the question that is raised and answered in the next verse, verse 277. (laughs) Buddhaschen nabubhudseta would the state never would say there? Not yes, oh, would get varteta punahe. Not yes, oh, would get the question is that the wise man does not have bubhutsa or no need for what we call a desire for knowledge. Yadi buddha tattva bodhavanva purusha na bubhutsetha buddha vichyam neva If you say that a wise man does not have any need now for bubhutsa or a desire for knowledge because he's already wise. Sanjada bodhattva didyacetvadasi tari tata eva punhani va buddhya de bodhama pina sampareti then, in that case, The question is, that if the wise man does not have a need for desire for knowledge, wise man does not have a need for knowledge also because he has already gained. So who is the wise man? One who has gained the knowledge. And when can you gain the knowledge? First, when there was a desire for knowledge. So if pravṛtti or activity creates desire for knowledge, since there is no need for desire for knowledge for a wise man, there is no need for pravṛtti or activity. Then Nivrti creates the knowledge, disengagement creates the knowledge. Since he already has the knowledge, he has no need for disengagement either. So pravṛtti or nivṛtti, activity or renunciation of activity or disengagement, both of them are of no use to the wise person. That's the idea. punah Therefore, even nivrutti or what we call the disengagement from activity which is considered to be a means for knowledge, even that also has no need or use for the wise one because he is already wise, he has already gained knowledge. Next question is, And then next question is, All right, the bodha or the knowledge is arisen, but for firming up the knowledge for making the knowledge firm is it not that even a wise man also should deliberately disen- uh, deliberately stay away from activity that will it not happen that if he performs an action that he will get deviated or disturbed or distracted from his knowledge next question is will it not be that a wise man also get distracted from his knowledge if he engages in activity? And is it not that in order to remain firm in the knowledge, that is to deliberately stay away from activity? <inaudible> the answer is that no, even activity also is not opposed to knowledge. Once you have a firm knowledge, meaning once you are rooted well rooted in the knowledge, as long as a person is not well rooted in knowledge so long a specific a meditation nididhyasanam is required to get rooted in the knowledge. But once a person is rooted in the knowledge then the activity does not in any way affect that knowledge. Therefore it is not that having gained a firm knowledge that a wise man has to perform some activity or do some practices or do anything specifically, not necessary because Knowledge is knowledge, it stands on its own and therefore There is nothing that can really threaten that knowledge or there is nothing that can in any way negate or negate the knowledge. The second line says See this knowledge, aham brahma or I am brahma, I am limitless, kruta I am complete in every respect, this knowledge is born as a result of the teaching of Upanishad, which is what we call pramanam or the valid means of knowledge for this knowledge of the self. And there is nothing that can negate that knowledge. Just to give an illustration, the standard illustration, that eyes are the pramanam or the valid means of knowledge with reference to the knowledge of color. And the question is, now the eyes have given the knowledge of color. Should you not have to do something in order to retain that knowledge? That is it, suppose you jump up and down, then what will happen will you not forget that this well will the knowledge of color not be affected is it not necessary that to continue to gain the knowledge of color through the eyes that you should do some practice at some other level the answer is no because eyes are the only means of knowledge to color and nothing else can negate it or threaten it or question it so similarly also when the knowledge is gained that i am limitless it's a spontaneous knowledge because atma the self is self-shining the way shines as complete being and therefore there is nothing else that can negate that knowledge or nothing else that can threaten the knowledge. His vyavahara transaction in life also does not in any way uh, affect that knowledge. So whether he is active or inactive does not in any way affect the fact that he is limitless. His limitlessness or fullness is in no way affected by activity or no way enhanced by inactivity The knowledge cannot be enhanced by inactivity nor can be affected by activity. And therefore there's no need that a wise man has to maintain a certain lifestyle necessarily in order to remain firm in the knowledge, because firmness of the knowledge is not due to lifestyle, firmness of knowledge due to fact of life. Atma, the self, happens to be limitless and therefore the knowledge is firm. Not that because because it does something that the self is limitless. Self is limitless regardless. Self is full, complete and limitless and actionless. And therefore, that fact does not depend upon whether the body is engaged in activity or not. And therefore, Vakya Jnanasya Balavata Pramanena That knowledge that is born as a result of the teaching of the Upanishad which reveals the fact of life that remain, there is nothing that can question or threaten that knowledge. Therefore, there is no other sadhanam, no other no other practice is required in order to remain firm in the knowledge. So, the point here is, once you gain the knowledge, and once you gain an abidance in the knowledge, is it not necessary that you have to do something, in order to continue to abide, the answer is no. Once you gain an abidance or spontaneous knowledge, no practice is further required to remain spontaneous because it is your nature. And that nature cannot in any way be threatened or affected or changed or questioned by whether you do something or don't do something. <clears throat> These are important questions in that is okay. Uh, Atma is one, the self is one without a second non-dual. Whereas all your transactions are in the realm of duality. So isn't it that the transactions that the wise man performs in the realm of duality, that they will somehow affect the knowledge of non-duality? Pramanantaran <coughs> It is true that there is no other Pramanam, other means of knowledge that reveals the duality of the self. Maybe ignorance must stage a comeback. All right, knowledge you again. Can it not happen that ignorance stages is a comeback? Or suppose ignorance does not come back. The products of ignorance, this world is a product of ignorance. This body is a product of ignorance. And doership, enjoyership, all of these are products of ignorance. So even when ignorance is gone away, this body which is a product of ignorance and the world which is, and the, all the transactions of the world, all the duality which is product of ignorance, that continues to persist. Then will that, will that not, again, uh, erase his knowledge or affect his knowledge? <coughs> then that question is answered in the verse two seventy eight. <laughs> na vidya na pitat karyam, na vidya na pitatkaryam, bodham badhitu marhiti. Bodham bhadhitum arhadi Puraiva tattva bodhena Puraiva tattva bodhena Bhadhite ubeyata bhadhite ubeyata na avidya nabitakkaryam bodham bhadhitum arhadi Neither can ignorance stage a comeback because ignorance has already been destroyed by knowledge. It is that when the light comes, the darkness cannot stage a comeback because when the light is, the darkness cannot be. And so, also, once the ignorance has been removed, it cannot stage a comeback. Therefore, ignorance is called anadi or beginningless, meaning ignorance does not have a beginning. And once it is destroyed, it cannot begin, meaning it cannot come back. So, no, avidya, avidya or ignorance cannot again threaten the knowledge because it is no more there, it is destroyed. But how are the world, which is the product of ignorance? How are the body, which is product of ignorance? And when you perform the action, there is some kind of a sense of doership. You are functioning through the body and therefore some kind of an identification is there with the body. Even though that identification is similar to that of an actor, actually the action that a wise man performs can be only compared to the actions performed by, by an actor who deliberately assumes a certain role, like a beggar, and acts as a beggar. So even when an actor is acting as a beggar, there is a knowledge that I am acting. Similarly also, when a wise man performs action, even then, there is this knowledge that I am playing this role. I'm performing a role, alright? When you are performing the role, at least you have to have some kind of an identification of the body. Does that not come in the way of the knowledge of non-duality? Or when you are acting in this world, then also you are all the time acting in the realm of duality, then this duality which is perceived and the actions which are performed in the realm of duality, do they not affect the knowledge of non-duality? This is nābhi tatkāryam bodham bādhita marhati. Even the kāryam of the products of ignorance also cannot in any way bādhita meaning negate or dismiss the knowledge. Why is it so? Pūraiva tattva bodhena bādhita te ubhayyataha. Pūrava already in earlier itself Tattva bodhena by the knowledge of truth te ubhayyataha bādhita because both of them are already negated, or both of them are already dismissed by the knowledge. So two things are there. One is ignorance. Not knowing the self. By the knowledge, that ignorance is destroyed. Second is, that even for a wise man also, since the body continues to remain alive, he continues to function as as though as an individual, and continues to perform all his actions in the realm of duality. But there, there is knowledge that the duality is mithya. Just as the actor has a knowledge that the beggar is mithya or false, and so also the wise man has a knowledge that even the actions that are being performed, even the sense of doership also is false. That the duality is something that is perceived, alright, but that it is not real. And therefore, even though the transactions take place at the level of duality, no reality is given to duality. So duality is productive ignorance, but by the knowledge, the reality which is so far given to duality is no more there. It is not really the duality which is a problem. It is not the world that is a problem, but the reality given to the world or reality given to the duality is problem. In what way? Because it creates in me a sense of isolation. The world is different, and I am different. And if that difference which is perceived is considered to be a real difference, then I feel isolated or I feel small or insignificant. But that smallness is gone away because no more the apparent, the, the duality obtaining in the level of body is, does not in any way affect the non-duality of the self because self is different from the body or self is in and through every body in the we appreciate the duality obtaining at the level of body and still know the non-duality of the Self. And therefore, the reality that was so far given to this body or, or the identification which is there with the body is no more there, there is no more any reality in the duality and therefore, once the knowledge has taken place, then the world, the perception of duality etc., nothing in any way threatens the knowledge. <coughs> Okay, next question. Nanu avidhyaya ha vajitattva vi. Tat karyasya pratiyamanasya vajitattva asambhavad. Ten bodasya badho bhavet. Question is okay. Avidhyaya ha vi. It is true that in the wake of knowledge, the ignorance is destroyed. Even then, tatkaryasya pratiyamanasya. But even then, the world which is a product of ignorance, the body which is a product of ignorance, transactions are a product of ignorance, all of these are still existing. And therefore, knowledge does not destroy anything. Knowledge, does not dis- the knowledge only destroys ignorance, but knowledge does not destroy the world. Knowledge does not destroy the body. Knowledge does not destroy anything. Knowledge reveals the nature of things. So even though the knowledge has destroyed ignorance, but the product of ignorance namely the body and all these transactions in duality, they continue to remain. So when the wise man performs his activities in the realm of duality, will it not happen that he'll forget himself? Or will it not happen that his knowledge will non-dual self will be also, will be negated by these transactions in duality? Iti the answer is no when ignorance is gone away then the duality no more presents any threat at all as you said earlier because the duality is known as mithya or false false thing does not in any way affect the reality <coughs> just as I may see a number of reflections of myself in various mirrors and so many people are perceptible to the eyes And still I know that I am one alone because the multiplicity of reflections does not bring about multiplicity of myself. I know that the reflections are false. And therefore, perception, when it is known to be false, does not in any way affect the truth. And therefore, even the perceptible world and the perceptible duality does not in any way affect the knowledge. That is being said in verse 279. Bhādhitaṁ drśyataṁ akṣayhi Bhādhitaṁ drśyataṁ akṣayhi Tena bādho na shakya de Tena bādho na shakya de Hantihanyat Katham Rataha Hantihanyat Katham Rataha Baditam Drushyatam Akshayhi, it's alright, the world, the body and the world and all of this, Akshayhi Drushyatam may it be perceived by the eyes or by the sense organs, Baditam, but already it is known to be false, so the world and all the duality is perceived. That will be perceived. But since it is known to be false, The world which is known to be false or unreal does not in any way affect the non-duality of the self. So you should know that non-duality does not in any way affect the duality of the self. Self is non-dual in spite of duality. It is not that the non-duality of the self is in absence of duality. It is in spite of duality. And therefore, the non-duality of the self is not affected in any way by the perception of duality. An ignorant person gives reality to what he perceives and therefore, the non-duality is as though affected. But once you know the non-duality of the self, then the perception of the duality does not in any way affect the non-duality. Therefore, just as the multiplicity of my reflections does not in any way create multiplicity in me and so also the perception of multiplicity does not create or does not affect does not threaten or does not negate the knowledge of the non-dual self. And there, an interesting illustration is given here. Jeevan nakhorna marjaram means a mouse a mouse when even he is alive cannot kill, the, kill a cat. A mouse even when the mouse is alive cannot kill the cat cannot affect the cat. and suppose that that mouse is dead how can a dead mouse in any way kill the cat? Even when a live mouse does not kill the cat, where is the question of a dead mouse killing the cat? Meaning that even when the world is there, and even when we think that the world is real, even when we think that the reality is dual, duality is real, and then also the non-duality self is not affected. Thank God! Even when I take myself to a doer, or enjoyer, or a jiva, or a samsari, or an individual being, a limited being, happy, and unhappy, Even when all these superimpositions are taking place upon the self, even then the self is not affected. Just as a rope does not get affected by any number of superimpositions taking place, even when you take the rope to be a snake or a garland or something like that, rope doesn't get affected. And similarly also today when we are superimposing upon the self, all these ideas of happiness and happiness etc., then also the self does not get affected. So even when this duality is given a reality, even then also when it does not affect the nature of the self, kasam brutaha by the knowledge when we know that the duality is false, how can that duality now anyway affect the self? It cannot. Just as the mouse even when he was alive could not in any way affect the cat, where is the question of the mouse who is dead? How can he affect the cat? And similarly duality even when it was taken to be real, did not affect the self. When the duality is known to be false, it cannot in any way affect the knowledge of the self. Dvaitha darshanayana tattva bodasya bada abhavam kaimutika nyaya pradarshanayana dhadaitam tad anukulam drishthantamaha Dvaita darshanayana tattva bodasya bada abhavam gives here again is very old-fashioned examples or illustrations are given like the mouse and the cat another old-fashioned example is given here Dvaita by perception of duality Abhavam, that the knowledge of the non-dual self does not in any way get affected or negated by the perception of duality Uh, it's shown here Tat Anukulam Drishtanthamaha If Drishtantho illustration is given In the verse 280 We'll read that verse Apipa Apipa Abhipashupatastrena Viddhasche namamāraya Viddhasche namamāraya Nishvaleshu vitungna <tries> निश्लेवित नांग है निषवलेवितुन नांग है का प्रमाण नक्षति चेत्र का अपी पास पतात्रण विददक्षेत्र यह समर्थ है पासपत्रण विद्यप there is a weapon called Pashupatastra. You see, in the in, in, the, in the olden texts in India, like Ramayana, Mahabharata, Puranas, you read the description of many weapons which are comparable to our missiles these days, you know, like intercon, intercontinental ballistic missiles and such things that we see here. All kinds of bombs, etc., which we see, all these destructive weapons. You see, you read the description of such weapons in the in the uh, text in India, like the battle that took place between Rama and Ravana or the battle of Mahabharata, you witness so many such weapons that you, and apparently they must have the power through mantra that to create all these weapons and actually what he fires is merely an arrow and what comes out of that is all fire and then water and wind and all kinds of these weapons used to be there. And there were weapons who were superior to other weapons and other weapons superior to yet other weapons. Therefore you send a weapon and the opponent will send a superior weapon and this fellow will send yet superior weapon. And there were weapons which they considered the most superior. So one such weapon is Pashupatastra. So Pashupati is Lord Shiva. And the weapon of Lord Shiva was known as Pashupatastra. Astra means weapon. Pashupatastra, the weapon of Lord Shiva. That was ultimate. There was none which was superior to that. I don't know, today it must be some kind of hydrogen bomb, whatever it is, and nothing, there is nothing more destructive than that, or nothing more effective than that. Similarly also, Pashupatastra was the most effective weapon. So, that is taken as an illustration. It's called Kaimuthika Nyaya. What to talk of this? When even this fellow, for example, give the illustration of, I don't know, who is the present... Uh, Boxing uh, heavyweight champion. I don't know who who is the boxing champion. How huh? How who is he? Evander okay. So suppose that fellow, you know, I mean, if if you if you hit him or if you beat him, then where is the question of beating anybody else? This is called Prasama prathamamandalanyaaya. Meaning, when you beat them, the strongest fellow. And that's how I think next time whoever wants to become a heavyweight champion, he only needs to fight with that one, not with everybody else. So you eliminated him, and then you are declared the world champion. And so if the world heavyweight champion also cannot suppose uh, knock out this fellow, then what to talk of anybody else knocking out. This is what to talk of. So also, you know so with suppose someone is hit by this weapon of Lord Shiva and that fellow must be so capable and so powerful that in spite of being hit by the weapon of Lord Shiva which is the most powerful weapon Namavarachet suppose he did not die even that weapon also failed to destroy that person kill that person Nishphaleshvitunangah then is it possible that an arrow without the uh, without the edge you know the arrow has that metal uh, metal edge Metal head. So, suppose there is an arrow from which you remove the metal head. This fellow who could not be killed by the weapon of Lord Shiva, suppose you hit him with an arrow without a head, what is it going to do? Nothing. So, this is called in Sanskrit, Kaimutika Nyaya. Kimuta. What to talk of it? When a person cannot be even killed by the weapon of Lord Shiva, what to say that he will not be affected by an arrow without the head? (coughs) vitun vitunnangah. So if you hit him by an arrow without that head, even if it hurts him, what is it? It is not going to kill him when even the weapon of Lord Shiva did not kill him. prapshati prama pramanam Certainly it cannot happen that such a thing like an arrow without the head can can hurt him. This is an illustration. Dadastanda Siddhamartam, Dashtandika Yoda, the very same thing is shown with reference to our subject matter of discussion in verse 281. Adhava vidya chitrahi adhava vidya chitrahi svakary jumbamanaya swakary Bodho Jayat sodya. Bodho sodye, katam, katam. Whatever little reading skill you acquire will be tested here because his verses are such, you know, <laughs> and so one need not feel frustrated about them because these are somewhat difficult. Adav avidya in the Sandhi rules and all these rules that you have known, you may see them here, how uh, they are they are uh, applicable here. Adav vidya is made of adav avidya. Chitrahi svakaryahi jirumbhamanaya avidya. Adav, right in the beginning, vidya abhyasa samay. Now the author points out that when a person gains, when the process of gaining the knowledge, Vidya Abhyasa Samaye while, while studying the scriptures, while listening to them, and while constantly working upon oneself Chitrayi, Bahuvidayi, Tatkaryi, Pramatratva, Bhoktratva, Kartratva Devihi, Jrumbhamanaya, Vivardhamanaya, Avidya Bodha, Yudhva, Yuddham Krutva, Tam Ajeda When can one gain the knowledge or firm knowledge? Only when one completely conquers oneself. The ignorance is there and the ignorance is many products. What are the products of ignorance? The various notions of the complexes that we entertain about ourselves. What are these complexes? Kartrutvam, the sense of doership. Bhuktrutvam, the sense of enjoyership. pramatrutvam the sense of knowership. So all these that I am a knower, I am a doer, I am an enjoyer, I am happy, I am unhappy. All these various notions or complexes are constantly being created by Ignorance. And you have to fight with them. So every time these notions arise in your mind, you resolve them in the light of knowledge. And thus you have to really conquer by inching your way, you know, every day, constantly. It is not that the, no- that the firm or an abiding knowledge takes place in one day, that even when you gain this vision of the self, self being complete, even then in order to gain an abidance in that knowledge is going to require constant struggle. That we constantly have to struggle with the various notions and complexes constantly presented by our own mind, which complexes arise from identification of the body, arise from identification of the mind, arise from the old samskaras the old habitual patterns of thinking, all habitual patterns of behavior, these patterns come up again and again. And again and again, we have to sort of fight with them and conquer them. So every time a notion arises, you have to resolve it and conquer it. So, ādav, Vidya, Abhyāsa, at the time of pursuit of this knowledge, Chitrahi, tat Tattat this ignorance which presented so many different notions and complexes, And those obstacles, you are as though, you are as though distracted or deviated from the knowledge or you are as though dragged away from from your own knowledge. Sometimes it happens that these powerful reactions and impulses come and sort of sweep away, sweep the mind away. Again you have to recover and you have to conquer that that impulse or reaction or complex as the case may be so Kartratvādavih jrambhamāṇaya vivardhamāṇaya avidyaya so this ignorance which was so powerful and which had a large army in terms of all these various products of ego is like, the ego alone which is like Ravana you know Ravana a hydra-headed demon and the uh, it is it is described in Ramayana that Lord Rama wanted to kill this Ravana and he sent his arrows and he, he chopped off his head. One head was chopped off, another head came in its place. It was chopped off, yet another head came. Rama kept on chopping off the head of Ravana and more new and new heads kept on coming up. We find that our ahankara, the ego, also is many headed or you know, many headed demon. You keep on chopping off the heads and new heads keep on coming. One notion arises, you do deal with it, another one arises you deal with that, a third one keeps on arising, and this constantly you have to struggle with this Ravana who is ignorance and in Ravana heads are the various products of ignorance or various heads of the ahankara or the ego and thus the ignorance which is so powerful on account of its products in the form of these various notions. This knowledge had to constantly struggle with that, fight with that and conquer that bodaha yudhva yuddham krutva tam ajada and ultimately the knowledge the uh, the uh, the warrior in the form of knowledge has conquered this ignorance and all the products of ignorance and now on account of bhyasa on account of the constant practice of nididhyasana Constant practice of making that knowledge firm, now that you have made that knowledge firm by constant practice, adya idanim avidyaniprattav satyam, now that the ignorances and the products of ignorance all of them have been conquered, nirmulena tatkaryena dhyasena kathampadhyatam, how can this powerful knowledge now be in any way threatened or negated by this false, Now even if the wise man performs action, he performs action knowing fully well that the sense of doership is false, that I am only performing a role. So when that knowledge is there, how can that role in any way affect his knowledge? You see, you remember the illustration that a person could not be killed by the weapon of Lord Shiva. How can that person in any way be affected by an arrow without the head? And so also when now that knowledge has already conquered ignorance and all its products, when all of them have been destroyed, so when the ignorance cannot affect this knowledge, where is the question of some products of ignorance affecting it. In short, the kartrutva, the doership, etc., which are there at the transactional level, do not in any way affect or threaten this knowledge. The idea is that Ignorance, once gone, cannot stage a comeback, and when the divinity is known as false, when the sense of doership and all of these are known to be false, and thus when one has this firm or abiding knowledge, then in no way can the transaction of the vyavahara can affect that knowledge. That's the point. <coughs> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnanat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti Shanti, Shanti Shanti Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Guru Tau Vande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratme De Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Namaha Umsham Teshyam 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 Hareh Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hareh Om